Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Budget Arcade, a free-to-play gaming podcast to help you navigate through the growing realm of free-to-play games. Uh, This is the side of the podcast that we do on the off weeks, and we're just going to change the format. Uh, Tentatively, I'm going to call it the topic, and we're going to each week, every other two weeks, we're going to discuss a piece of news, debate uh, different games, and things like that. Uh, My name's Jeff. With me is... Now I'm Mark. That's Mark. And he's here. I am here. Um, yeah, he made it. So, <laughs> did you have something to say? <laughs> no, uh, I'm. I'm just. I'm going with the flow. I'm, I'm good. Uh, well, I didn't ask you. With I get, and I haven't listened to it yet. I've been tempted <laughs> to just leave it as a surprise for myself. <laughs> you recorded a song. I Should did. I just insert it here now? Do it. It's, 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 it's awful, awfully majestic. Um, awfully awful majestic. Well, if you guys will, I'm going to take a brief break. You're going to listen to Mark's new hit single and I'm going to listen to it while you listen to it. And I'm going to give you my reaction when we come back. Can't get over this. It was so Big eyes, skinny fingers. So let's break this down real quick. Sitting alone in my living room one night. Netflix and chilling on the couches where I sit. I saw it from the window, a light in the sky so bright. I shielded my eyes because my retinas hurt. I audibly gasped at the sight. Dropped my bowl of cereal. I looked at the dog, he looked at me. He said, bro, what are you doing? Aliens aren't real. I looked back out that window, they were gone, in a flash. Am I dreaming? Neil deGrasse Tyson explained. Unidentified flying objects. Unidentified flying objects. We all know someone who knows someone who had that experience. They got abducted, probed, it was so mysterious. Little green dude's too rude, I didn't even get dinner first. Now I gotta explain why I sympathize with a guy from Independence Day. 
I wish I was Ellen Ripley, punch those ETs in the face, Will Smith. Instead, I'm just a guy rapping a song about an alien kiss. Unidentified flying objects. Unidentified flying objects. Now here's the third verse where I tell you Martians don't exist. But by now I'm sure you know better. That's a big negative slap on the wrist. They are real. They don't come in peace. I'm Amy Adams and a rival, holding up my whiteboard just looking for their alphabet. Instead I got shooked, dropped my cornflakes, strapped to a chair and examined my prostate. Unidentified flying objects. Unidentified flying objects. Mulder was right. E.T. phoned home. So, Mark. Oh, yeah. Wow. Just, oh, God, it's shrill. What am I hearing, Mark? <laughs> so, um... So this is the new single, uh, promptly titled UFOs. And, uh, it was inspiration hit me one day when I was sitting on the toilet. And, you know, I got to thinking about what, what is all these, all these unidentified flying objects? What are they? Where'd they come from? And to be honest with you, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a personal tale. And, uh, um, I could tell. Know, <laughs> so I have I, uh, what <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> I have a question what made you think anyone wanted this because we're not alone out there Jeff okay um, we are they they are among us uh, and I know somebody listening to the podcast right now has had a similar experience and I just want to, I want to connect with our listeners. And, uh, I feel that this was a intimate tale that can bring us all closer and we can, we can have a discussion about these experiences. Yeah. So the fact that you even think anyone has continued to listen is <laughs> amazing in its own right, but Let's get into our topics. We've got two topics. One's going to be pretty brief. Uh, I'm recording this right after watching the Xbox Showcase, where they showed off some gameplay. Uh, Mark did not watch it, so I'm just going to explain to him, as a PS4 fan, why the, the PlayStation is in so much trouble. Okay? Oh, so, okay. <laughs> it's really not, but, you know. <laughs> i got to do something to liven it up, fanboy it a little bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the Xbox... Xbox Showcase uh, started today, uh, which is Thursday at uh, 1 o'clock, I think. Noon? Noon. And uh, the first thing they show, which was not a surprise to anyone, was Halo Infinite. They showed some campaign. It looks pretty good, but it looks like Halo. It didn't do anything to excite me beyond, hey, a new Halo. They didn't show us any multiplayer modes. They didn't even hint at it. They just wanted to show you what the game looked like and how it ran on Xbox One X. Fine. So one thing that happens is right after this, Phil Spencer pops up, who, if you don't know, is the head of 
Xbox. And he says, everything you see here today will be launching and available on Xbox Game Pass. This uh, presentation added tons of value to an already great deal that Game Pass is. And uh, they showed a bunch of games, some that I thought were great. Uh, specifically, they're the new Destiny 2 uh, big content piece that normally costs $60 or whatever, maybe $30, I don't know, is going to be launching on Game Pass along with all the previous content. So if you've never played Destiny 2, you can jump in with everything with just your Game Pass subscription. Um, they showed uh, State of Decay 3, which State of Decay 2 is... Uh, State of Decay... Bleh, bleh. State of Decay 2 is absolutely awful. It's real bad. But, hey. Um, they showed uh, the new... The one that I, they didn't really show much of, but the one I'm kind of the most intrigued by is the new RPG by Obsidian Games, who, if you don't know, made uh, Pillars of Eternity, which is like a old-school Baldur's Gate game. Um, let me remember what they called that game. Obsidian. So it's a game by Bethesda? No, Obsidian. Oh, Obsidian. Okay. Uh, so it's yeah. a, they made Pillars of Eternity, which is a, is similar to um, those Baldur's Gate games. But their new game is called Avowed, and it looks like it's going to be Skyrim. It, it, like they're really pushing a Skyrim vibe. We didn't see a lot. But it could be really cool, and the fact that it's launching on Game Pass means I'm going to get to check it out. They showed a handful of indie games. They showed uh, the if if you were an Xbox fan and you played the original Psychonauts, they showed Psychonauts Two, which was kind of entertaining because uh, Jack Black was singing the song uh, as the gameplay was being shown. And if if you like Tenacious D or Jack Black, that was pretty nice. But largely, I think it was a really good presentation. It lets you know that if you get Game Pass, you're going to be getting a constant stream of brand new content. Uh, they showed a lot of things that are going to be launch day titles. One thing they did not say is whether Halo would be launch day, and I don't think it will at this point, because all they could show us was the um, the past gameplay. But they did say your older games are going to be optimized, which again, kind of shows they do have a commitment to backwards compatibility, which is to me the huge thing that PS5 is going to be missing, uh, especially as games are now distributed digitally, I really don't see why going forward I wouldn't be able to bring my games with me. And with Xbox, it looks like I'm going to be able to do that and my digital library will be intact. It was Halo Infinite, right? That's that's the that's the new... That's the new Halo, right. yeah. Wait, so that's the pretty much the only game that I, I saw any any type of thing for any video for, from this um, press conference. Uh, yeah. And it, it looks like halo. Yeah. Like they didn't do anything that made me, I hated halo fives campaign. It was so boring and I don't really play games like halo for the campaign. Uh, and I think a lot of people are, are with me. There are people who definitely love the campaign and the lore 
Uh, they've got a rich lore and a confusing lore in Halo. Uh, but I wanted to see if they were going to do something new with the multiplayer. Uh, the campaign, they did say, is going to be more of an open world, uh, which will lead us into our main topic. Is Mark and I will be discussing uh, the benefits of open world versus a more linear style of gameplay. And this was uh, your idea, Mark, so why don't yeah. you get us started? Well, I mean, that's a good segue. Uh, mainly because Halo has always been a a very linear um, title where you're given an objective and the the level that you're in isn't it's it's not. Have you ever played Uncharted, the Uncharted games? I played the first one. Okay, so Uncharted is like the most in. It's the most linear game that I can think of, just off the top of my mm-hmm. head. Um, it's strictly, be- it's simply because it's strictly story driven. It's hey, you got to go down this path. You can't deviate from the path, um, and you're trying to get to the objective. And y- you can you can do certain things along the way, like get into a a shootout with somebody, or mm-hmm. um, you know, climb a climb a mountain or there's you know puzzles to to do along the way um but yeah i thought this was a a good a good topic uh simply because there's a lot of games out right now um that are have just come out or have come out in the past couple months that have seemed to kind of pit that that debate um they've they've put that debate on on uh Damn, what, what's the word I was looking for? I just had it. Um, <laughs> blast, right? They put it on blast. Well, it—that's what they, the kids they, are saying. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's, you're, that's very hip of you. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> they like so the Last of Us two. Um, that mm-hmm. that game came out in the past, you know, month and a half, and uh, I just actually got done playing it, and that's kind of what got this topic in my head was that is a very uh, almost completely story driven title um, mm-hmm. and it's developed by Naughty Dog who also developed the Uncharted games so that's kind of their MO of uh, of games uh, but you know and then I've also started playing just recently a game that just came out for the Playstation uh, called Ghosts of Tsushima and uh, mm-hmm. that is a open world um, uh, Japanese uh, what would you call it R- RPG type game. And um, the st- now, my understanding, it was kind of in the vein of like your Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Origin style of of game. Yeah, no, right. It's um, it's a very epic scale. Uh, story about revenge and the samurai and um you know you're trying to uh you're you're going against the mongolian army um and it's it's a very it's a very beautiful game it 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 looks great i'm i've just only started diving into it so i can't really speak to the the total review of the game but they're very different games, The Last of Us 2 and uh-huh. this game, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, but that got me thinking, what, what, what makes, what makes a game 
good to you? Is it is it the is it the story driven aspect, or is it the the open world? Let me interact with everything. Let me go wherever I want, uh, do anything that I want, and then get around to the the goal of the game when I want to. Yeah, so that's a good question, and it depends on the design of the game. So I'm going to point out a series to me that move from something very linear to an open world, and it actually made the game worse, in my opinion. A lot of people may disagree with me, but the Burnout series was best when it was Burnout 3, Burnout Revenge, where you had set courses, and that was it. You did your set courses, you ran people, the races were fun, and since they were so streamlined, um, you were able to recover from mistakes easier, and it just had a great arcade feel. And then they made Burnout Paradise, which is an open world game, but still using these physics and this game design that was built around a more linear structure. And it was fun. And I had a lot of fun playing it. But to me, Burnout's best in those tighter, you know, sort of structure. Now, there's no story in Burnout. So... I, I would almost ask you then, I haven't played these games, but with Last of Us, could you pull that story off and be an open world game? So that's a that's a good question too, because The Last of Us 2 actually kind of dabbles in that for a very brief period of time. Uh, towards the beginning of the game, uh, you and a, another NPC uh, head off to the ruins of Seattle uh, to... Um, you know, complete, complete an objective. And you're given a map. Once you get to downtown Seattle, uh, where all the buildings are ruined, um, you know, it's pretty much open world in that aspect. You're given a map. And then, you know, you're given free reign to go wherever you want on the map. Now, the map's not large. It's, you know, kind of like a couple city blocks. Um, uh-huh. but, you're you're on the back of a horse. You can get on and get off the horse. You can go in and out of uh, uh, buildings, shops, anything like that. And um, I'm just I was kind of disappointed when that was like a a two hour, three hour snippet of gameplay where you were you were able to explore that open world feel and still be engulfed by this story that the developer had spent so much time crafting and uh being very meticulous with with how you interacted with the uh the environment but that was only 2 hour gameplay it was this snippet and I, and i i didn't i didn't understand why they abandoned that um idea for this game is because it would have completely added so much dimension to what what the game actually is and the game by all admission by the developer and the creator and the and the writer of the story um was meant it was crafted to make you feel a certain way um you know the there's it's it's very hey it's a story of revenge it's a you know the whole game is you're trying to get revenge for uh for a, an atrocity that was was done to somebody you love, and you know, and the game's long. It's I was very surprised by how long Last of Us Two was. Um, probably about thirty hours of gameplay, and wow. 
Yeah, that's 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 a long game for something that's completely story driven and right. and and linear. But it just I think if had Naughty Dog kept the open world aspect or at least the open open er world aspects for The Last of Us 2, it would have added so much dynamic and dimension to how deep the story went. It's because it's very linear along every step of the way. You can go in and out of like a couple individual buildings in every level, but you're still pushed in one direction. And right. and to me, it would have been honestly, it probably would have changed the way games game stories are told had Naughty Dog to simply kept the same gameplay that it established very early on in the game with the story completely throughout and I I, I don't I don't understand why they didn't why they didn't yeah well and their MO has been that more structured campaign right they right. they like having the big set pieces and in order to kind of make sure your players go through those set pieces in the way you want them to you do need to narrow their path um, do you have a game that you think has done it both, both of these well, like done an open world and done a compelling story? I have one in mind, but I wanted to see if you could think of one. Uh, that's a, that's a good question. The, a recent game that comes to mind is, um, pr- probably... I would say Breath of the Wild probably did a really good job of transitioning from a completely linear type game to mm-hmm. to completely open world, you know, epic scale, but also have a meaningful story behind it. Um, I wasn't prepared to answer that question, so. Well, deal with it. Uh <laughs> So for me, what I think of is because, frankly, the Grand Theft Auto games to me have never had a particularly compelling story. It has always sort of harped more on shock value and humor than actually trying to be compelling uh, with the uh, but Rockstar has made a game called Red Dead Redemption. Uh, which does have a fantastic story and is open world, but it doesn't really have. When I think of like the the memorable moments of those games, nothing compares to the memorable moments of something that is made to be a piece of cinematic gameplay that like Naughty Dog would make. Right. So I do think you could produce a great story in an open world game, but I think you when you really want to hit beats and have a story told at a particular pace and cadence, you're going to opt for that more linear experience. And sometimes for me, I want a linear experience because I'll pick up... So Grand Theft Auto 4 is a good example where I could just go straight to mission to mission, but half the time I'm getting calls to take some girl out to play darts and I don't want to do that. You know, and there's just so much going on in one huge open world that I feel like it's too much. And on occasion, I would like to just have something more straightforward to 
it's kind of like the Arkham games, right? The first Arkham game was very much a more linear game. Right. And I really liked that. It told, a, I think it told a pretty good story. And then you got into the more open world games and they were good. But to me, I still kind of like, I think there's places for both. And because if you have a smaller world, you can be more intentional with your mechanics and the way you want people to, to approach things. When you have an open world, you pretty much are... Uh, setting it up where someone's going to find a way around what you've tried to build for them to do. Sure. Um, I think... Which is maybe a good thing, but if you want them to go a particular way, you kind of have to have that linear design. Well, and I think uh, the uh, the Arkham series is is a good example, is because they, what, over the span of, what, three games... They, they went from, you know, linear. Your your entire story takes place in one singular building, you know, and then, and then by the third game, while still a very good game, they had transitioned to a more open world aspect, where you're able to drive the Batmobile, and you mm-hmm. you know you're able to go uh, get different missions from different, uh, you know, NPC, um, in the game, and so. The I, the the one game that I, I I remember thinking, holy crap, this game has completely turned everything on its head, and this will be a completely new way of playing games for every game going forward, and that was um, Fallout Three. Um, okay. And you know, did you you play? Now that? you talk about a huge difference between two and three. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, like so for those that don't know, Halo One. For those that don't know, Fallout One and Two were these isometric, really crummy-looking CRPGs that were turn-based and sluggish. And I think obviously some people really enjoyed them, but then, as I'm sure you're going to point out, Fallout Three comes out and it's first-person open-world RPG, first-person shooter style. Yeah. Well, the, and so what really, you know, blew my mind about Fallout 3 was the scale of the map and the, the things you could discover along the way. Um, you know, it, there was just something about, uh, you know, trekking across this vast world and discovering, you know, landmarks, um, that were familiar to you. And, mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you're like, holy crap, this is whatever monument or whatever. And, um, you know, and I thought Bethesda did a really great job of introducing that open world and, and that really paved the way, in my opinion, for a lot of other developers to take their cues and say, wow, you did a really great job with that, but let me improve it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. let me, you know, let me start introducing, um, you know, different mini games along the way, and um, you know, let's let's throw all this di- these different uh, side quests at you, and because I don't, I, it's been a very long time since I played Fallout Three, but I, I don't remember there being a just a ton of side quests. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I remember there the I remember <laughs> towards the end of the game you're. You know, you have this mutant companion who has this laser minigun, 
and he's pretty much your tank, and uh, you're just going around and, and killing everybody. But Fallout 3, in my opinion, is is the game that really set the tone for open-world gaming going forward for the past, what, 12 years, 13 years? Hmm. Yeah, I, I still think GTA sort of drives the open-world because they always tend to be the one that people flip out about the most when it comes out. Now, I think those days may have passed uh, as they focus more on online. Um, I've been a fan of the Assassin's Creed games, specifically two and then a couple of the NZO ones. But uh, oh, If we're talking like about Assassin's stuff. Creed games, let me tell you, Odyssey, that's, that's, that's my... Um, yeah. It, Beep! <laughs> edit it out. But, uh, that, that game is such underrated. It just like, to me, it flew under the radar in this, uh, console generation. Simply, mm-hmm. simply because I think maybe the Assassin's Creed games were just a certain way for such a long period of time. And. Now, did you, did you play Origin? I did. And Origins kind of explored a little bit of what Odyssey completely engulfs. Uh, okay. They they kind of they kind of threw the RPG element at you a little bit in Origins, and um, you know a bigger map. It wasn't quite the scale that Odyssey is, but when okay, but Odyssey just it it brings everything that is great about an open world game, and. It gives it to you in a like the the most beautiful package that you could imagine. It's got great gameplay. The story is one of the better the better stories of an open world game that I've played. Um, the the RPG elements are great. It's got endless uh, weapon customization options. It's uh, I, I I played it for what was it like ninety three hours before I was like kind of just done with everything. And that to me is, is the mark of a great open world game is when you can get engulfed in everything other than the story that the game has to offer. But that, that was just my, so, my side, my side rant. No, I've been meaning cause uh, to pick it up. Uh, it's been on sale a few times, but I just sort of the, and this kind of goes into my point, sort of the large scale epicness of it is like, uh, do I really want to commit? Cause I'm sure it's great. But if I downloaded, uh, a 10 hour indie game or something like that, it'd be a little more digestible as a straightforward game. So, well, yeah, I mean, um, you, you have I mean, to, you have to be in the mood for, for a, a game of that scale. Right. You just can't, you can't I'm just pick, pick it, it up, up and, and be like, Oh, I'm just going to play this for, you know, seven hours and then I'm going to do something else. Um, it's because the game doesn't allow that. The game right. is, the game is meant to completely engulf your time. By just throwing everything at you that you can think of. And, um, you know, I saw something on Twitter the other day about what the, the best Assassin's Creed protagonist was across all of the Assassin's Creed. Eh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Odyssey's protagonist, her name, it's, it's a female. Well, you can play as a female or a male. Um, yeah. but, but I've, I've recently read that, um, Ubisoft originally wanted, or the director of the game originally wanted, uh, 
the protagonist to be the female Cassandra. Um, yeah, and I hear that her voice acting is a, a lot better than the voice acting of the male counterpart. From my understanding of the reviews I've seen. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know because I, I never now in in game. If if like say you pick Cassandra to to play as play as her, you you interact with your male counterpart that you had the option of of choosing from the beginning, um, as a uh-huh. non, as a non playable character. But uh, Ubisoft originally wanted Cassandra to be the the protag the, the only protagonist, not have that option. Uh, and I guess Ubisoft was like, hey, women don't sell in video games. Let's you know, let's give options. And, uh, oh, now they want options. Uh, we could go down a sidetrack, but I mean, <laughs> if that, if, why not have options in the last Assassin's Creed game? Right, the last however many. But you know, whatever, let's not do that. I guess. Uh, but <laughs> now they want options. Now they understand representation. When um, you know, well, yeah, if you, but if you but if you look at it, you know that that game Odyssey was released in 2018, and right. Um, there's been a ton of games since then that have only had female protagonists, and they've been in the conversation for Game of the Year. They've sold millions of copies. Your Horizon Zero Dawn, right? Yeah. Your you know your Last of Us, and um, you know there was that game, uh, not quite open world. Uh, what was it? Control. Um, yeah, that game. And, and that I game think was good. That proves the point. Is like it doesn't just make a great game, and people are going to buy it and yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) but that's uh, its own conversation so let me let me ask you this is there something about a linear title that draws you in more other than hey it's usually a lot quicker i don't have to spend you know 50 hours on it is there something that you particularly like about a linear title that doesn't fully represent itself in an open world aspect as far as like a modern games perspective maybe not you know like uh like spider-man would have to be open world or you know um and if the new assassin's like i'd feel restricted if i played the new destiny and it wasn't open world right now the counterpart to that is I like playing retro-style platformers. Think your Shovel Knights, Messenger, you know, things like that, where they are not necessarily open world. You have a very set set of challenges that you have to go through to finish the game. And being able to see something that's so precisely designed, uh, it shows a little more of what the creators want you to do and things like that. So... There are times, but it's mostly manifest itself in those retro-style games that I like to play, uh, having that kind of more linear style. Having a level from A to B to Z to beat is appealing to me because it's different, right? You know, right. and and that's okay. Like, there's no one answer, like open world forever or linear forever. It's good that there's differences. It's good that I can play a game that... I can sink 100 hours into exploring, and it's good to have an eight-hour story-driven game that at the end of it, I feel like I've watched a great movie or been a part of something. Yeah, the I think, I, I think because you're a big uh, Nintendo guy, I think Nintendo does, does that quite well, where their, their games, 
like, as far as I know, um, now correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Breath of the Wild is their only true open-world first-party title, correct? Someone might prove me wrong, uh, but I think that's true. Now, I gotta say, I'm not a big Nintendo guy. Um, oh. I have a Switch because it's a, a wonderful console, and it's portable and hooks to my TV. I tend to really like their portable consoles, but... I really am not, like, I didn't own a GameCube. I have a Wii U, but it's mostly my son's. I've never really played it that much, mm. you know, so. And most of the first-party titles, I don't get out of bed for. Yeah. Um, but I like having those indie titles on the go on the Switch. And the Switch has been a great indie thing. But, yeah, I think that it is the first real open world. And I think w one of the things that's funny about that game, and, and we'll get close to closing here, but is that, People are like, oh my gosh, look what this game has done. It's so different and new. And what a fresh take on open world. And I'm playing it and I'm like, yeah, maybe if you've only played Nintendo games, this feels new to you. But I've played games like this before, you know? Right. But, I've played but Skyrim did you where you find a secret mission in the hole in the wall and <laughs> you, you go ahead. But, but have you played... An open world title with Link as your protagonist? No, of course not. No, but I, I'm not that attached to Link as some other people are. No, tr know. true, um, but but it's something to be said about uh, a, but what a, I video, mean those, a video game those, character that's those so design legendary. Design choices; those design choices are not new. They're wrapped in a very pretty bow that everyone is familiar with and feels comfortable with. And I am by no means saying it's a bad game. I'm just saying that it's not this innovative masterpiece that everyone is like, oh my gosh, I think a lot of it is that Link aesthetic that people really are like, oh, this is great. Um, whereas if you've played, you know, an Assassin's Creed game or Skyrim or whatever, you've played open world games where you can easily get lost in what tasks you're supposed to do. One thing I will say that they do better than a lot of these open world games is they don't uh, Zelda, specifically Breath of the Wild, doesn't hold your hand. It really encourages you to kind of uh, go out and explore in a very free way. There's not a lot of waypoints um, and so Discovery is a big part of that and I think they do that very well but it didn't blow me away. Ooh. You know, it's like I've I've played this before, and that's okay. I, I, you know. I, we should we should have led with that because I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I was not prepared for you to poo poo on the Breath of the Wild. I did not poo poo it. I just said it's 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 been done before, right? I that's well, okay. So we'll we'll table this, all right? <laughs> and we'll talk about the the merits of of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, maybe in two weeks, unless something else happens that we really want to discuss, because I have a lot to say about it too. Ooh, we should, yeah, no, the, uh, the controls have... aren't great, um, <laughs> oh. but we'll get into that. <laughs> oh. The tease, um, no, so yeah, I'll 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 end with, um, you know, there there is something to be said with a great linear game. I am a very big single player game guy. I, I don't dive a ton into multiplayer, um, you know, multiplayer games. I'm not a big, you know, Call of Duty guy, um, or, you know, like Warzone or anything like that. And 
you know, and that that's fine. I, people love those types of games, and I'm just I like the story driven aspect. And so something that that I've been drawn to in the past probably what just ten ten years or so is an open world type game that that tells a great story. And I think what we're seeing more and more of now, and especially going into this future generation with the PS5 and the uh, Xbox, um, Xbox X, One X, um, Series X, yeah, Series X, and is is more developers telling great stories in a in a world where you're not pointed to the goal. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you're not told you have to go here and, you know, once you get here, then the next part of the story presents itself. Um, and I, and I think that's an evolution in gaming. That's a, and that, that's a worthwhile evolution. Again, I'm not saying that linear games should completely go away. It's because you can tell a great story in a seven hour game and it make a lasting impact. Um, but I just think that for me, open world games present so much more to a certain gamer style than than a regular, you know, A to B um title can. And I just don't mm-hmm. I don't see how gaming doesn't continue to evolve in that in that direction. All right. Well let us know what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at um Budget Arcade. You can go to our website, www.budgetarcade.com. You can also interact with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash budgetarcade. In most of these locations, you will find a link to our Discord server where we are constantly chatting about all things. I'm sure that uh, I'm going to inflame uh, some sort of uh, yelling. Last time you got yelled at, Mark, yep. Oh yeah. Uh, for some of your words. Now, Very much. me, everyone's going to think I hate Zelda Breath of the Wild, and they can yell at me over in Discord. Um, uh, can I say something real quick? Yeah. Uh, so, if you've had a similar experience with UFOs, don't oh, feel that you're alone. Uh, contact me. Contact Jeff. We will talk no, to don't. you about it. I will not. Contact Mark. It's not very I heard nice. you like this on Twitter or whatever. <laughs> I can't remember. That is my ad. I heard you liked. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. I, I look forward to speaking with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, all you conspiracy theorists, go ahead and Mark. Uh, you can also uh, find me on Twitter. Mine is at Film Soliloquy, uh, which is the name of my other podcast. And uh, I'll... Be sure to hear how much you think I'm an idiot for what I think of Breath of the Wild. But I think next week we're going to name next week's episode is Zelda Breath of the Wild. Good question mark. (laughs) And I think that will really lure in a lot of people ready to choke someone. So uh, we'll see you next time. This is Budget Arcade. Podcast Network.